All right, guys, let's get it going. It's time to recap week four in the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, we are brought to you by, as we are each and every week, by mybookie.ag. That's mybookie.ag. And the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus on all of your uh, betting throughout the Big 12, college, NFL, whatever you like to do. But mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus, minimum deposit 45 bucks, and I've enjoyed placing bets with them this year. I've done terribly on those picks, but hey, I've enjoyed doing it, and I think I'll have to do more of it because my picks have gone so poorly. So really hoping to turn that around soon. Let's recap week four in the Big 12. It was it was a, a fun week, not a great week. Obviously, a lot of teams had off, but let's get into these games, and let's just go in order here, starting with Iowa State and Louisiana Monroe. And by the way, we're on Facebook Live. We are on Periscope. We are also going to have this on YouTube and podcast. So wherever you're getting us, we appreciate you joining us. And if you want that free Heartland College Sports koozie, I'm sending those out every week. I'm sending out a ton of them every week. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, and um, send it to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will get that koozie in the mail for you. All right, let's start with, uh, with Iowa State's 72-20 win. Throw in any questions or comments, I'll get to them throughout the show as well. Um, the Iowa State offense needed this desperately. You know, Iowa State was averaging 15 points per game during regulation through the first couple of games, which, by the way, was 126th out of 130 FBS teams. That's how bad it was. Now, I know Iowa's a good defense, and the opener against Northern Iowa, they couldn't really get it going, but they needed this so badly. Uh, Brock Purdy with three rushing, three passing touchdowns, over 500 total yards. This is the kind of performance that Matt Campbell wanted his team to put together to wrap up non-conference play. It was the perfect way to put a bow on what was a disappointing non-conference between the uh, poor play against uh, Northern Iowa to the loss on college game day against Iowa. They got a lot of frustration out in this game. It showed defense was spottier at times than I honestly thought it would be, but I'm not concerned about that side of the ball right now for Iowa State. What I'm concerned about, or what I was concerned about coming into this game, was the offense. And while I know it was Louisiana Monroe, Purdy looked as comfortable as he had been this season with Tom Manning back at offensive coordinator. Tariq Milton and Deshante Jones each went over 100 yards receiving, and he's starting to find that comfort level with these guys that he had last year with Hakeem Butler, but just wasn't clicking here early in the season. So that was my biggest takeaway from this Iowa State game, and and I feel like if you are an Iowa State fan, you know, you still have those aspirations of, of getting to AT&T Stadium in early December, and rightfully so. I think this is still a team that that can get there. It's going to be tougher than I thought, though, um, because of some of the deficiencies, notably on the offensive line. So still trying to get that worked out. Uh, Brock Purdy is still running the ball more than I honestly thought he would end up running the ball early in the season, before the season started. I don't love it. Uh, I, I just don't, but it, it's working, or at least it worked on Saturday. I, I'm just concerned that, you know, 
It's one thing to get hit by a linebacker from Louisiana Monroe. It's another thing when Kenneth Murray is barreling down on you, and you better get down. And that's one thing I want to see more of from Brock Purdy, get down. Although, this is not to say, you know, if Brock Purdy gets hurt, this team is okay. But Rayal Mitchell, they got to get that guy in the game more. They got to figure out a package for Rayal Mitchell, the backup quarterback who was highly touted coming out of high school. Obviously hasn't seen a lot of playing time due to Purdy. Uh, but, man, just a package for him. He, he played late. He threw a touchdown pass. He ran for a touchdown as well. Uh, that's a guy that that with a running back system there at Iowa State that is uh, not defined yet, I would have no problem with Rayal Mitchell seeing the field more, whether it's on a, a third and short, whatever it might be, try to get him out on the edge. That kid's an athlete, man. Uh, and, and he looked good throwing the ball, too. Once again, the competition, you got to take that into consideration. But there is a lot to like about what this, uh, what this Iowa State team has going after Saturday. And I'll tell you what, I'll talk about it more coming up, but that game against Baylor this coming weekend is going to be fascinating because I still don't know what the heck Baylor is. Um, let's continue here, and let's look at TCU. Uh, what a debacle for TCU. Max Duggan got the start, played the whole game, and and I was a fan of Max Duggan. I said before the season I thought Max Duggan would start, and I also said, okay, if all else is equal between Max Duggan and Alex Delton, you start Max Duggan. The reason you start Max Duggan is because the upside is far greater than the downside. But here's the other part of this. When you start Duggan and things aren't going well, like they weren't on Saturday for, for TCU, you cannot destroy a true freshman's confidence and yank him from the game. That's the one thing that you cannot do if you are Gary Patterson. So he had to stick with him. Now, I don't think going to Alex Delton would have changed anything in that game. They were down a couple of scores. Delton's more of a running quarterback anyway. Delton's a guy that works if you're up two touchdowns. You can, you know, methodically go three yards on a cloud of dust. You cannot do that. Uh, you cannot come back from two scores down with, with an Alex Delton. It's just more unlikely to happen. You got to be throwing the ball. But Duggan was missing a lot of passes. I know there were some drops. But uh, And this was a tough spot for him, but still, he did not have a good game. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be a good quarterback in the Big 12. He just had a true freshman game, and he looked like a true freshman. And when you get down early, and, and I think part of what was going on here is there was a hangover effect for TCU. You know, they, they get the big road win over a Big 10 team last week, and I just think they kind of looked at this game and they said, okay, we've typically owned SMU here the last few years. Uh, we're going to take care of business, and then we're going to roll into Big 12 play next week. And I think they overlooked this game. Not Gary Patterson, but I think the players got lackadaisical, and they overlooked this game, and they ended up losing to SMU. Now, SMU had had a good start to the season. Shane Bouchelle has uh, certainly looked really good. I mean, he was, he was throwing dimes where if he was making some of these plays at Texas, he might be the starting quarterback. I, I I did not recognize that guy against a really good TCU defense and a really good TCU secondary. Uh, Shane Bouchel had himself a game, and he deserves credit for the game that he had. But Duggan completed one pass in the first half. It's just, it's, it's not going to cut it. And while the run game was strong and Darius Anderson piled up 160 yards and, and two touchdowns, they could not get it going through the air, and you have to. I mean, TCU... 
I think they were caught off guard defensively. And once they were down double digits, you knew it was going to be an uphill climb. This team is not built this year to come back from those types of deficits. And, and I still think you go with Duggan. I, I don't think you change that at this point. But it's got to turn around for TCU. And, and the defense is really what, uh, what let me down. If you told me TCU scored 38 points on Saturday, I say they, they win comfortably by a couple of scores. And that is not what happened for this team. So I, I was admittedly shocked, absolutely shocked by how this game went down. Um, not a Gary Patterson style of game. And certainly one that he's going to be rotting his guys on all week long because, you know, the iron skill is the classic game that means a heck of a lot more to SMU than it does to TCU. I mean, Sonny Dykes, I thought he was going to blow it. Well, he did blow a gasket. I'm just glad he didn't have any like health issues on the sideline. He was going bonkers yesterday during that game, but it showed you how much he wanted this game for his team. And this team has turned it around. So I give SMU credit, but Boy, that's a bad loss for TCU. That's a bad loss for the Big 12. And uh, I hope it doesn't come back to bite them because you had TCU in the top 25, and it's going to be an uphill climb now for them to get back in there. And it was good to have three Big 12 teams, and you just don't want Texas, and you just don't want T- and uh, uh, Oklahoma. It's good to have a situation where you've got multiple teams outside of Texas OU in the top 25. And, and, you know, I don't have the rankings right now. They haven't come out yet. But don't be shocked if K-State works its way into the top 25. Even though they didn't play this week, they obviously had themselves uh, a great win last week against Mississippi State. And with a couple of losses there in the top 25, don't be shocked if the Wildcats work their way into the top 25 here when the rankings come out. But, um, yeah, you want to have more than two in the top 25. TCU blew that this weekend. Huge, huge disappointment there for the Horn Frogs. And uh, they've got a game against Kansas to open up Big 12 play this weekend. And Patterson's going to have these guys refocused. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Let's go to, uh, as we recap week four in the Big 12 Conference, we are on Facebook Live. We are on Periscope. We will have this on YouTube. We will have it on podcasts. Uh, throw in your comments and, and everything else um, on Periscope or Facebook Live right now. So, yeah, any comments, check them out. Throw them in there, and I will try to get to as many as I can here before we close out the show. Let's get to the uh, West Virginia-Kansas game. Mountaineers win this one 29-24. And I'll tell you what, as I was watching this game, it, it wasn't a pretty first half. It wasn't a pretty game for that matter. But it was, it was a close game, and it was a fun game. And it was one of those games where it showed me two things. First off, West Virginia still has a lot of room to grow. It's not a good football team. They've got a lot of work to do. But it was fun to see, if nothing else, KU be competitive in a Big 12 game. Now, West Virginia did cover the spread by half a point, but it was just I enjoyed watching Kansas be competitive. I enjoyed seeing the crowd at David Booth Memorial Stadium into it, and they were. To their credit, they showed up. The student section was pretty lively. They were loud. They were booing the officials. I'll get to more of that coming up here in a second. But it, it just felt like, uh, and, and this may be different in a month from now if KU goes on to lose four or five in a row here in Big 12 play. But it was enjoyable to see them in it. It wasn't like, oh, Kansas is playing. They're going to lose by three, four, five scores, and it's not even worth watching. Now, this may, as I mentioned, say a lot about what West Virginia is this year as much as what Kansas is. But it was just, it was enjoyable to see this team into it. 
uh, the fan base into it. The crowd was lively. And that's the first thing I want to give credit for to that fan base over there in Lawrence. Uh, West Virginia did control this game, though. They dominated time of possession. They ran the ball 48 times. And while they had a couple of turnovers, uh, the offense did certainly not do much to help them out in that first half as they started to get uh, gassed. And by the way, I should recommend this as well. Derek Duke does a good, bad, and the ugly. He writes it every Sunday for us on heartlandcollegesports.com. I highly recommend you go check it out. Um, The play that everybody is talking about from this game was the onside kick by Kansas that they recover, that I guess they called it that the KU uh, return man or the KU guy who recovered the ball hit the Mountaineer in midair, possibly before the 10-yard mark. Therefore, uh, West Virginia got the ball. I thought it was a bad call. It led to a West Virginia field goal, but KU got some good karma because on the very next play from scrimmage, KU scores a 75-yard touchdown. So it didn't have a big impact on the game, but I will say I thought it was a bad call. People were asking me that on Twitter, and I did believe it was a bad call by the officials. I thought it should have been KU ball. And those are the kind of things that Les Miles is going to do and take chances on that you know not most coaches are not going to do, but also traditionally when you look at it, it's also not one of those things that any coach at KU in recent memory would have done. David Beatty, that was not his style. It just wasn't. Um, and if you want to go back to guys like Charlie Weiss and Turner Gill, not really their style either. So there, there's reason to be excited about KU. Do I think they're winning three, two, three Big 12 games? No, I don't. But if they are competitive in these games this year, I believe that's a win for Kansas. It's a building block for this program. And it is everything that you would want to have happen in year one of Les Miles. This is where the program is going to be. It is going to take three, four, five years to get it where it's competitive and maybe competing for a bowl game. But this is how year one should be going. You've got a couple of non-conference wins, and you have a Big 12 game under your belt that you lose by less than a touchdown. That is a success. That is a win. I know some KU fans don't want to hear that, but that is the reality here moving forward. So um, for Kansas, you've got a lot to be happy about. West Virginia, you've got uh, – from the Mountaineers, you're used to winning 8, 9, 10 games a year. That's not going to happen this year. If you are Neil Brown and if you are a fan of Neil Brown, which I hope that you are, you just want to see this team improve, get better every week, and maybe you get to a bowl game. And and that's what I think the ceiling is for this Mountaineers team here moving forward. And for me, there's kind of no other way to look at it here if you're a West Virginia fan. Austin Kendall is still trying to get comfortable to me. Um, I still saw some plays from him, some passes from him where he just looks like a guy that hasn't played football consistently in four years. And that, that's, that's what he is. That's what he's got to work on here. And I think, you know, what we, what we see from Austin Kendall in a month is going to be a lot different than what we see right now, but it's going to take some time. And that becomes evident to me because he still is very inconsistent. Very inconsistent. But hey, enjoy the win if you're a Mountaineers fan and you move on. Baylor and Rice. Baylor beating Rice 21 to 13. And you know, I just I don't know what Baylor is, right? You look at yesterday and you say, okay, uh first half went well. You're up 23, 21 3 at halftime. That's a good thing. But then you look at the second half and you don't score a single point. 
you have four drives in the second half, and and three of them end in, in quick punts. The other one's a fumble. And that's, of course, not including the final drive of the game where you run out the clock. But I, that is just that's sloppy. That can't be happening for the Bears. And, and when you had a non-conference like Baylor has had, which, uh, for lack of a better word, has been a joke. What it's been Stephen F. Austin, uh, UTSA, and, or was it UTEP? UTSA or UTEP. And then, of course, this game on Saturday against Rice. Terrible non-conference. Didn't play anybody. And, you know, you're limping into conference play with a 21-13 win over, over a Rice team that got blown out by Texas the week before. I, I do not know what Baylor is, which is why this game against Iowa State this week is massively fascinating to me. You really have two games like that. Craig writing just now on Facebook Live, Stillwater has huge implications this week. I agree with you completely on the KU situation. Be patient. It'll work out. Yeah, you have two really great games this week. You've got K-State, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State Baylor. It's going to give us a good idea of what that that second tier in the Big 12 is going to be looking like here come you know October, November. Uh, but I, I don't know... I don't know what Matt Rule has in store the rest of the way. Is it the team we've seen in non-conference play against Stephen F. Austin and in the first half against Rice, or is it the second half team against Rice? I don't know. I really don't know. I thought Rice was going to be burnt out. They played a lot of good non-conference opponents, and instead, in the second half, it was Rice who had the more energy. It was Rice who outscored Baylor 10-0. So it's just it's it's uh, that was admittedly a disappointment to me. Um, seeing Baylor get the win, but get it in the fashion that they got it in. So we'll see what the Bears are here. We're going to learn a lot more about them coming up in the next uh, next week or two. And then we get to the night game. Texas taking on Oklahoma State, and the curse is over for the Longhorns. They had lost five in a row. Their first win against Oklahoma State at home since 2008 when you know Sam Ellinger was 10 years old. So big deal for them. Colt McCoy was the quarterback back then, and Ellinger had himself a real nice day. 20 of 28, 281 yards, and four touchdowns. Keontae Ingram, 114 on the ground. Uh, Texas averaged five yards a carry, and the offensive line did itself well. Now, Oklahoma State, um, let's talk about them, and then we'll talk more about this game. Mike Gundy is getting a lot of flack for going for it on a couple of fourth downs. The fourth and one, I believe it was, with Chubba Hubbard inside the five. I have to rip whoever this reporter was who asked Mike Gundy after the game about that that run. And he basically said, why not run Spencer Sanders? And Gundy said, because we thought we had a good play drawn up. And then the reporter says, well, there's been a lot of uh, critiquing on social media about not running Sanders. First off, if you're a reporter... If you are questioning running Hubbard, just ask him about it. Don't cop out and say, well, you know, people are saying on social media. You think any coach cares what someone is tweeting about from their couch while he's trying to win a football game? I mean, I do that. And, you know, we have obviously a solid Big 12 fan base. But no coach should care about what what I'm tweeting or what anybody is tweeting about from the couch. During a game. And, and you knew Mike Gundy was going to come back with some smart-ass answer, which he did. And, and that's his prerogative. But the, the, I don't know who that reporter was. But, man, what a, what a terrible way to try to explain yourself and get a question out there. I, I thought it was embarrassing, to be honest. Uh, 
but I will say this. The fake field goal attempt, the second time they went for it on fourth down, where they tried to pitch it to, I don't know who that was, a tight end coming around the corner. Even if the guy caught the ball, it was not going to be a first down. I mean, the Texas uh, defensive end there was right on his hip. He would have tackled him right away. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with trying it on that one. The first one inside the five, I would have kicked the field goal. The second one, I'm okay with some trickery there, to be honest. But you have to give Texas credit. They saw it coming, they snuffed it out, and they stopped it. I don't think you can say they were both bad decisions by Gundy and Oklahoma State where they were both good decisions. I thought one was good. The second one, I thought the first one was bad. That's how I would describe that for Oklahoma State and, and how that game went. But, uh, you know, Spencer Sanders, it was, it was a tough spot for him in that game. You know, you got a redshirt freshman, first Big 12 road game in a difficult environment. And that's something that's got to be taken into consideration. Now, I saw a stat earlier, which was really interesting, and, and I didn't realize until after the game. But I did notice that Oklahoma State was doing a lot of uh, running. So Texas was down four starters in the secondary, and Mike Gundy ran the ball 37 times, only averaging 3.3 yards per carry. You got Tylen Wallace on the, on the outside. He only had five catches for 80-something yards, which for him is not a very good game. But that is, a, that is a stat that when you look at it and you know that Texas is down a lot of guys in that secondary, I'd be challenging the heck out of them. That's the only thing I believe you can get on Gundy for right now, which is the fact that you know the, the uh, problems that Texas was having, they were unable to take advantage of. Let's get to some of your comments here. I'm going to slide over Periscope. Just hang on this way, guys. And let's see some of your comments on Facebook Live and on Periscope. Uh, Justin writes, yeah, the reporter should have ever, never asked another question. I agree. Justin also writes, it looked like Baylor forced themselves into playing a four-quarter game. They continued to run the ball with the box stacked. Uh, Coach Rule said he wanted Baylor to have a four-quarter game before the conference. Well, they had a four-quarter game too close. Should have put them away at halftime. I agree. Uh, that was a, a major letdown and a big disappointment with how that Baylor game went. No doubt about it, Justin. And yes, that reporter should never... Never be able to ask another question, no doubt about that. So, uh, so yeah, overall, you know, it wasn't a great week for the Big 12 in the sense that you have the TCU loss, West Virginia and Kansas, neither of them looked all that good. Uh, Iowa State did get back on track, and Texas looks like it is going to be, along with OU, the favorite to get to AT&T Stadium until proven otherwise because Texas has won its toughest game or it nearly won its toughest game against LSU. It looked good in that loss. And then they beat Oklahoma State to start off Big 12 play, something they had not done in Austin since, uh, since 2008. Joe writes, I was just arguing on another page with a dude that thinks Baylor is the Big 12 number two. He's insane, right? Yeah, uh, he's, he's nuts. How you could possibly make that argument based on how the non-conference has gone for Baylor? They're 3-0. They played nobody. Baylor has played nobody. They had by far the weakest non-conference schedule in the Big 12. They had a lot of issues yesterday against Rice. I understand wanting to get out of there with a win and have a relatively vanilla playbook before playing Iowa State next week, but you should blow out Rice by three scores easily, and and you were held scoreless in the second half. That should not happen for Baylor, and yeah, that guy has nothing to justify that off of. Nothing at all. Uh, Eric writes, Rail Mitchell is for real. Missed the ISU analysis. Well, the good thing is this, Eric. This is going to be up on our podcast 
So go subscribe, rate, review to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you leave us a rating and review, we will send you a screenshot or we will send you a free koozie, a Heartland College Sports koozie, if you leave that rating and review on our podcast page. And email me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So there you go, guys. Appreciate it very much. Uh, We will have midweek podcasts dropping, so be sure to check us out there. And, um, and by the way, we're brought to you by mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12. That's BIG12, promo code BIG12 for a 100% sign-up bonus on at least a $45 deposit. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, week 5 is going to be real good for the Big 12, so we will talk to you during the week. Check us out. Go listen to the podcast and join us there. Have a great day, guys. Talk to you soon.